Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bearded Mystic Podcast and I'm your host Rahul N. Singh. Thank you for taking out the time today to either watch or listen to this podcast episode. If you're really interested in supporting the Bearded Mystic Podcast and you've found great benefit in listening or watching these episodes, then please do support this podcast on Patreon where you can get ad-free and bonus episodes along with other benefits depending on the tier that you select. Your support means everything and it really does help the podcast keep running efficiently and smoothly and also widens the audience that this message can reach to. If you would like to know more about it, the details are in the show notes and video description below. On Saturdays at 11am Eastern Standard Time, there is a free virtual meditation session along with discussion and Q&A. If you're interested in meditating with us as a community, then you can find out the details in the show notes and video description below. Please do like, comment and subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube. And if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast streaming app, then please do give this podcast a five star rating. It helps the podcast get up in the charts and allows the algorithm to bring this podcast to new listeners and also do review the podcast if you can and make sure you do follow or subscribe to keep getting future episodes. So today we will be continuing on with the series called Wisdom of the Mystics and as you know at the end of the month we look at one mystic and we've gone through so many this year, uh, a lot that we have learned through these mystics and most of all it shows the oneness of the message and if we truly understand things from a non-dual perspective we can possibly gauge in what they're truly talking about. Obviously we are looking at more non-dual teachers but maybe in the future there may be teachers which are not completely non-dual but their message is the same because in the end realization is one. It doesn't matter which path you take. The main thing is destination is always the same one even though people may call it different names but ultimately it's the same. So as you know last month we looked at the teachings of Vimanaji and Vimanaji we know is a popular saint especially in the southern area of India. Today we will be looking at the teachings of Namdevji some people may be affiliated with Nam Devji because he's also in the Guru Granth Sahib Ji as one of the poets. And the poems that we're looking at today are inspired from the Guru Granth Sahib Ji. Let's get started with the first poem. And these are very deep and I'll read the whole thing and then we'll go line by line. So the first one is, In the one and in the many, he is pervading and permeating. Wherever I look, there he is. The marvellous image of Maya is so fascinating, how few understand this. God is everything, God is everything, without God there is nothing at all. As one thread holds hundreds and thousands of beads, he is woven into his creation. The waves of the water, the foam and bubbles are not distinct from the water. This manifested world is the playful game of the Supreme Lord God, Reflecting upon it, we find that it is not different from him. False doubts and dream objects, man believes them to be true. The Guru has instructed me to try to do good deeds and my awakened mind has accepted this, 
says Namdev, see the creation of the Lord and reflect upon it in your heart, in each and every heart, and deep within the very nucleus of all is the one Lord. It's very beautiful. And there's a lot to grasp in this. It's not simply easy to understand without some level of foundation in spirituality. First thing he says, in the one and in the many, he is pervading and permeating. Wherever I look, there he is. This is simple. Wherever you look, whatever the senses may project to you, there's only that one Lord. When you actually accept that it's just the one Lord, when you accept that it's all that same one, you get rid of that conflict. Then it's, yes, he's in everything. Or it is in everything. Why should I deny anybody? Why should I hate anybody? They're all me. Or they're all God. And if we say they're all God, or this one, then why am I fighting? Why am I hating upon anyone? He is pervading. Wherever I walk, what seems to be empty space is nothing but this. Permeating, living within this. That means living within space too. So everywhere he is permeating. Wherever I look, there he is. You see him in the plant, you see him on the screen, you see him in the light bulb, you see him everywhere. And when this happens, when we actually truly start seeing God in such a way, we truly move forward. We truly gain deep spiritual insight. That's why it's really important that we continuously learn this, continuously make sure that this very teaching starts resonating within our very heart, that we start accepting it for what it truly is. Then he says, the marvellous image of Maya is so fascinating. How few understand this. What we see as Maya, this illusion that captures us and makes us believe in ignorance, is nothing but this one. It's an image. Why am I fighting over an image? For example, whatever happens in a photo is only a capture of that one moment. But does it tell me about the moment that I'm in now? No, it's of the past. Likewise, this Maya is always in the present. Therefore, Namdevji says, it's marvellous. It's a marvellous image. It's static. It's the same. Meaning, it's unreal. That's what it's the same in. It's changing all the time, but that's what its nature is. So he's really getting rid of the duality. You know, a lot of people say, help me get rid of this Maya. Help me get rid of the control of Maya. Maya controls me. No, you allow it to control you. Namdevji gives us an alternative. Instead of saying that it's captured you and you're scared of it, say that it's... Marvellous, fascinating, oh wow, this formless has created all this Maya, this image of Maya, how fascinating. This formless is trying to trap me, how fascinating. That's the way a seeker will see things. That's what we're trying to do here. It's trying to uplift ourselves in the spirit of those teachings. Then he says, God is everything, God is everything. Without God, there is nothing at all. So very true. Very, very true. God is everything. 
why should I deny anything? If I say he's pervading and permeating in all, and then I say, well, God is in one person and not the other, God is in one thing and not the other, then I am committing a misunderstanding. I am not understanding completely. So that's why Namdev just says, God is everything, God is everything. Without God, there is nothing at all. The moment you say this reality isn't, reality stops. Then how can Maya exist? This is what Namdevji is talking about, this very deep understanding. And this is the, you could say, the nectar of non-duality. When you start seeing in that way, the oneness in everything. Very difficult to attain. But if we are sincere and honest, we can understand it in an instant. Then he says, as one thread holds hundreds and thousands of beads, He's woven into his creation. So another imagery to use. When we see, like I'm wearing a mala right now. In that mala, in between there's a thread that's holding it all together. So likewise, there's a thread that's holding all of us together. All of Maya together. What is that? This formless awareness, this Brahman. This is what Namdevji is talking about. And he's woven into creation. This is the Upanishadic teachings as well. That this formless, this Brahman is woven into creation, immersed into creation. Therefore, why have negativity? Why have separation? Why be ignorant? Why have animosity towards creation? It does not make sense. Then he says, the waves of the water, the foam and bubbles are not distinct from the water. The ocean, the foam, the bubbles, the waves, they're all water, nothing but water itself. Again, another image for us to use, another way to understand. If I start saying the bubble is separate to water, that's incorrect. Water is the bubble and bubble is the water. It's made of the same essence, the same substance. It only has a different form. Even if we say ice, then you have liquid water, then you have condensation. It's all water at the end of the day. It's not anything different. It's not anything separate to water. It just has a different form. So everything can have a different name and form, but it's that one same reality. So although we have different names and forms, me and you may be different. Me and this screen, this microphone may be different. This camera may be different, but... We are one. We are made of that same essence of Nirgun Brahman. Ultimately, that is the teaching. Then he says, This manifested world is the playful game of the Supreme Lord God. Reflecting upon it, we find that it's not different from Him. Again, another deep insight. If this is all a Leela, you know, we hear this. People say this all the time. Oh, it's the Leela. They cry the most at the Leela. Why is it happening to me? People are like that. They say something's a Leela and then something bad happens to them. Oh, then all hell breaks loose. Yeah. One person is ill and you say to them, 
Absolutely love the Lord. Then when that very person gets ill, then it's not only love the Lord, take me to the doctor. Yeah, even, I find it weird. Um, especially when someone dies, you know, people say, you know, it's his mercy, he takes whenever he wants. And I'm like, what is he taking? He's only taking from himself. And he's not lost anything. So what is he actually taking? If you say this one is complete, then what is he taking? You see, we have to think, when we say, oh, it's his mercy, it's his lila, everything, then are we really believing this? And this teaching of Leela should make us become an observer, that we look at things as an observer. But this doesn't happen. We get more trapped. And we start believing we are separate. Yes, a mystic will always make concessions. A seeker will always make concessions because... They know that with some people you have to say to Leela, it's life, you have to accept it. And the number one thing people don't accept is death. Um, and you probably noticed peers in our podcast quite a bit. And the reason for that is simple. It's the one thing we deny, but the one thing that will happen. Death is more guaranteed than my next breath. That is for certain. I cannot be certain for the next breath, but I can be certain that death is knocking its door. And even if you're healthy, I'm 35 right now, um, can I guarantee that at 40 death will not knock? I always say that death is always knocking. In fact, I use a different analogy that... The string of life, the thread of life is thin like a spider's web. And there's an extremely immaculate sharp knife. A sword. There's an immaculate shiny sharp sword that's literally touching that thread. One slight movement. Gone. And that's the way I see life. Very fragile, yet so unique. Fragile, yet it appears permanent. We cannot guarantee when we will leave. But we can guarantee that the moments that we have left is one lived in Jivan Mukti, in liberated whilst living, because we understand the breath is God, death is God. And the last breath is God. Who am I going to? God. If I really understand this, if I truly accept this, then will I have any worries? Will I have any fear of death? No. It cannot happen. If we understand that we're this one Lord, this one formless Brahman. And we find that we're not different to him. 
then can we die? Can the true self die in you, in everyone, in your loved ones, in your friends, your family? They're all this one. Nobody dies. Nobody is alive. Everyone is just this. It's a high teaching, a simple teaching. This is very simple, but very difficult to accept. Because the reason why we don't accept it is also because we, uh, you know, we feel that it's wrong. Because society tells us, you know, you got to achieve everything in this life. You've got to get everything now. You know, you got to try to make your life more permanent. But life does not care about what we think. Then he says, false doubts and dream objects, man believes them to be true. Exactly what I've just said. False doubts. Is there a God? Who knows if there's a God like they say in the Abrahamic religions. I, I'm not going to say it is or it is not. Or is Brahman really true? Even though I can see Brahman right here, right now, and yet I will still deny. Then that's not good either. That means I'm I'm living in dream objects. And... When you wake up from the dream, is the dream ever true? Do I still live in the dream world and I'm right here recording this podcast while you're listening to this? Are you still dreaming? No, I'm here. You are here. So how can we believe anything that's false? We cannot. The Guru has instructed me to try to do good deeds and my awakened mind has accepted this. Now, this is the ultimate teaching of the Guru, because we think the Guru shows us this formless, this Brahman, and then that's it. The job is done. No. If you're still not doing good deeds, what's the point of having an awakened mind? What's the point? What, what are you going to achieve? See, Namdevji says, my awakened mind has accepted this. That means, first, my Guru showed me this Lord, showed me this Supreme One, showed me the oneness of this, the non-dual aspect of this, that this one is not separate to existence. It's one, it's Satchitananda. Now my Guru says, now that you know this, you must do good deeds. Now he says, try to do good deeds, because the thing is, Unfortunately, deeds will always be interpreted according to the other person. What you may have intentions to be good may not be how another person sees it. But at the end of the day, people can tell from your energy, if you're nice, if you're sincere, if you're honest. That's what the Guru expects. Just be honest and do good deeds. My Guru gets told this. Oh, all they do is, t all he does is tell you, to be a good human being. And my guru was accused of this. And when people, I used to ask them, you know, what does Babaji teach? And they would say, oh, just to be a good human being. But they missed 
the foundation before that, you are a Brahmjani, now you must be a good human being. And we seem to miss the first bit. And, and this is not just with me or people in the same spiritual belief as me. It's others too. They do the same. We miss the first teaching because we are not looking for depth. We simply aren't. We are looking for something shallow because Whatever can be shallow, we can try to achieve. And if somebody says to you, if you do something bad or wrong, you can say, well, I'm trying to be a good human being. But if you, a spiritual person cannot say this, because they should be using their vivek at all times. So it's very difficult for a spiritual person to say, oh, I'm just trying to be a good human being. It doesn't work like that. So that's why the Guru says, after you've had your mind awakened, you have to do good deeds. Then he says, then he ends with, says Namdev, see the creation of the Lord and reflect upon it in your heart, in each and every heart and deep within the very nucleus of all is the one Lord. And this is the pinnacle message. This is the ultimate message. There is nothing but this one. This creation we see is nothing but this one Lord, this one Brahman. And that's all we need to accept. That's all we need to take in. We don't need to see it in any other way. Be free in this understanding. Be free in this true reality that there's only the one. And it's in every heart. I'm not going to deny everyone or anyone. So that was the first one. Then a deep quote, quote two, one who recognizes the Supreme Lord God dislikes other desires. He focuses his consciousness on the Lord's devotional worship and keeps his mind free of anxiety. Oh my mind, how will you cross over the world ocean, if you are filled with the water of corruption. Gazing upon the falseness of Maya, you have gone astray, O oh my mind. You have given me birth in the house of a fabric printer, but I have found the teachings of the Guru. By the grace of the saint, Namdev has met the Lord. I love the way these poems work, uh, and again, it shows you the depth that Namdevji is talking about. One who recognizes the Supreme Lord God dislikes other desires. This is a very simple thing. Once you recognize this one, I've talked about this many times and I love talking about it. Once you see this one, once you experience it, once you start making it a living reality, there's no other desire left. None. Yes, you. things will happen in life. You may get a better job. You may get children. You may get a partner. You may get the car you want, the house you want. Those desires may be met. But they don't mean much. You know that they're transitory. 
You know they're temporary. Just like you are temporary, they're temporary. But what is not temporary? This Supreme One. This Brahman. So once we understand that this Brahman is one, then we have no worries. Then we are able to be fully into the desire of just seeing the one. Oh, anywhere we go, we want to see the one. Everywhere we look, we see the one, like it was mentioned in the other one. So what other desires are going to come up? Think about this. There's only can be an other desire if you see something other than the one. If I see my child to be this Lord, to be Brahman, I'm seeing the one. Am I desiring anything else? If I desire a car, if I see the car as Brahman, Am I desiring anything else? No. Dislikes other desires. When I say the car is everything, when I know by logic it is not everything, the house is not everything or whatever, the bank balance is not everything. But when I understand that this is just an appearance of the one, then it's all good. Then have any desire, it's fine. He focuses his consciousness, his awareness on the Lord's devotional worship and keeps his mind free of anxiety. So what's the devotional worship? You remember the Lord's name. You keep on remembering this one. You keep on being aware of this one. You meet the saints. You meet the company of the holy you speak about this Lord whenever you can, about this one. You selflessly help other people. This is what life is about. You meditate. You congregate. You help others. And you may do rituals because they may help you. But... Just remembering the one is the ultimate thing to do. Whenever you can, just become aware of Brahman. Once you are aware of Brahman and you allow it to fully be in front of you in all directions and you allow it to be in all directions, then you're at peace. Then that is worship. And when you see everyone as the Lord, even better. But how can anxiety happen? You know, the number one thing that I find today is that even if people have the kind of panacea, the medicine for, for a free mind, people will not take it. I ultimately believe that only a few really want to help themselves. Only a few. And this is a rather dark message, but it's true. When we know something is right, and we still don't commit to it, we still live in our vasanas, we still live in our ignorance, then we're going to be anxious. We're going to be in depression. And some things, yes, are... Uh, because of the body and genetics, that's different. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the depression which 
we superimpose upon ourselves and it becomes our reality, an undeniable reality. We go deeper into our suffering. We enter our thoughts and we just stay there and we can't think of anything else. We become anxious, worried. Our self-esteem goes down. We cannot accept what's happening. Ultimately, that's what happens. It's not accepting the reality that we're in right now. Now, if somebody is full of anxiety, how are they going to, as Namdevji will say, how would they cross over the world ocean, the samsara? How can they transcend? Is it easy to transcend, first of all? He focuses his consciousness on the Lord's devotional worship and keeps his mind free of anxiety. The medicine is given here. The prescription is given. If you want to be free of anxiety, remember the Lord. Can there be fear? No. Can there be worry? No. Can there be anger? No. Can there be jealousy? No. Can there be greed? No. Can I be consumed by thoughts? No. Can I be consumed by desires? No. Why? You are in the worship of that which is everything. When you when you dislike other desires, meaning when you discard other desires, tell me, where is anxiety going to happen? How can it happen? Anxiety is there because of desire. The fear of not getting the desire, the anger of not getting the desire, that creates the anxiety, that creates the depression. Then he says, Oh my mind, how will you cross over the world ocean if you are filled with the water of corruption? What's the corruption? Living in ignorance. You know the truth, you've come across the truth. Yet, you want to deny it. Because the world is more alluring. So he says, how are you going to cross over the world? One time you're saying, God is everything. Then the next second you're saying, oh, I want this, I want this, I want this. Then someone says, remember God. You say, what am I going to do with remembering God? What am I going to achieve with remembering God? What is great about remembering God? Is God even real? All these things come about. Now, the question is asked, is God even real? Going forward with the inquiry, not everyone does. Do you know the God that is referred to in the Upanishads? No God is referred to in the Upanishads. Only the one is referred to. And they make sure that one isn't some supreme being, but is something that is transcendent and imminent. It's transcendent, it's beyond us, but it's also within us. So we cannot deny this because we are aware of that one and we are aware of being aware of that one, that awareness is supreme, that consciousness is supreme. So, oh my mind, how will you cross over the world ocean if you're filled with the water of corruption? If you're not accepting the wisdom, then how are you going to cross over? So then he says, gazing upon the falseness of my eye, you have gone astray, oh my mind. Why? Because you think this world is real. You think this maya is real. No, maya is unreal. It's just a relative reality. It's just an appearance. It's transient. That's why it's unreal. I'm not saying that it's fake. 
I'm saying it's unreal on the base that it's transient. But whatever is permanent, that remains. What's the permanent? Permanent thing? The appearance of Maya. That's permanent because it's always going to be an appearance. It's never going to be a reality because the only reality is one, which is Brahman. That's the only thing real. Then he says, You have given me birth in the house of a fabric printer, but I have found the teachings of the Guru. So I guess this kind of means like, you know, how is a fabric printer ever going to meet God or meet the one or meet the Guru or know about this reality? How am I, someone born, and my dad used to do open market stores. My mom was a housewife. Does that mean that I'm going to either become a house husband or become a market trader? No, not necessarily. I'm in HR right now, so obviously I bypass that too. But he says, I found the teachings of the Guru. Once you find the teachings of the Guru, you let go of everything that you have. Yes, this body and mind works in HR, but... Because of the teachings of the Guru, I know who I am and where I've come from. And that's the ultimate teaching. I know my origin. I know my origin story. I am this Atma and this Atma is Brahman. Simple. Nothing complicated. So, even if I'm born in any home, but because of the teachings of the Guru, I met the one and I know who I am now. So he says, by the grace of the saint, Namdev has met the Lord. And that's what happens whenever we meet the Guru. And it's very important. Here today, Gurus get a bad rep. I understand. I'm not saying that it's undeserved. But still, I would say the easiest way of meeting the truth is through somebody. You need a human form. It's a lot easier. It's only with the grace of the saint, Namdev has met the Lord, and I completely agree with that. The only way to meet the reality, that oneness, is by achieving the grace of the saint. Now let's go to quote three, which will be the final one of today. Some say that he is near and others say he is far away. We might just as well say that the fish climbs out of the water up the tree. Why do you speak such nonsense? One who has found the Lord keeps quiet about it. Those who become Bandit's religious scholars recite the Vedas, but foolish Namdev knows only the Lord. Whose blemishes remain when one chants the Lord's name? Sinners become pure, chanting the Lord's name. With the Lord, servant Namdev has come to have faith. I have stopped fasting on the eleventh day of each month. Why should I bother to go on pilgrimages to sacred shrines? Praise Namdev, I have become a man of good deeds and good thoughts chanting the Lord's name under Guru's instructions, who has not gone 
Tusvöglok or heaven. Very, very interesting. It's it's a very deep poem. And we'll end with this because one is one to make you think. These poetry of these saints, let me just say, do not take them lightly. They have a deep meaning. And even though I've gone through some of the meaning today, let me be very frank and honest with you. This is just the beginning. I'm just talking about the tip of the iceberg. It's so deep. So spend time with these teachings. They they really uplift your life. So he says, some say that he is near and others say he is far away. What is true? Then he says, if you're going to say this, then you might as well say that the fish climbs out of the water up the tree. Why do you say such things? He says that. Why do you, he says, why do you speak such nonsense? Such foolish things to say. He is near, he is far. Make your choice. Is he far? Is he near? Is he here? Is he there? God is up there in, in heaven. God is near us, isn't closer than a juggler vein. That's what people say, the religious people. Is God here or is God up there? And where up there? And then, and then to mock them, he says, Have you ever seen a fish climb out of the water up the tree? Have you ever seen a whale walk up a tree? A dolphin walker between? No. This is why he's saying such things. Beautiful. Then, then this is the ultimate line. He says, One who has found the Lord keeps quiet about it. The one who finds the Lord, will they say God is near, God is far? No. They say God is... God is. The Lord is. The one is. There's no distance here. What are you talking about? The moment you say he's near or far is the moment that we're putting a boundary and we are trying to make it part of our world, our understanding, our time and space. There is no time and space for the one. For Brahman, no, not at all. <laughs> It'd be foolish to say so. So then it says, those who become pundits, religious scholars, recite the Vedas, but foolish Namdev knows only the Lord. See, you can recite the Vedas, you can read things, you can recite the Ramchitmanas, you can recite the Bhagavad Gita. How many Kachanvachis are there? So many Katavachuks. So many people speaking about Katas. Doing Vakyas. But what do they know of the inner experience? They say they would do anything for Sri Ram, for Sri Krishna. 
even though Namdevji says recite the Vedas, I would say now the Vedas isn't recited as much as say the Bhagavatam or the Ramayan or the Mahabharata. And so many people are their whole job is just reciting these things. But do they know the meaning? When someone listens and reads or recites Ramcharitmanas, are they actually understanding the oneness of the message? And and the funny thing is, he says, foolish Namdev knows only the Lord. Only know the one. You're saying there's four Vedas, I'm saying there's only one. He's ended the discussion there. He says, you call me foolish. I'd rather be foolish. That's true. If you know only the one, that's ultimately everything. The Upanishads state, this is from the Vedas. From the Upanishads, Vedanta is from there. That know the one reality. There is only this one reality. You are this one reality. Namdev is doing this, but he'll be called foolish. Why? Because he's not saying it, he's living it. Bandits, religious scholars, they only talk about it. But do they ever talk as it? That's the question. Then he says, Whose blemishes remain when one chants the Lord's name? Is there going to be any blemish of the past, any blemish of the future, any blemish of the present, any blemish of past deeds, of future deeds, of present deeds? Is there going to be any mark of one's character, one's personality? No. When one chants the Lord's name, what happens? He says sinners become pure. The words probably is Papi becomes pure. Papi is that person who conducts actions which creates suffering, which cultivates suffering. He says those people become pure, punya. When one chants the Lord's name, by chanting the Lord's name. So the, the panacea here, the medicine here is, chant the Lord's name. Say Brahman, 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 Nirankar, 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 Om, Om, Om. Feel it. Chant any name. It doesn't matter which name you want to use. At least chant the one's name. Chant that ultimate reality's name. Then he says, with the Lord, Servant Namdev has come to have faith. With the Lord. This one is with him. Hence he has come to have faith. That's why he has faith. Not because of what your scriptures say, but because he's with the Lord. There's a oneness with the Lord. Then he says, I have stopped fasting on the 11th day of each month. Why should I bother to go on pilgrimages to sacred shrines? Very simple here. You don't need to do any rituals after you know the one. Once you're living in the awareness of the one and you're fully immersed in that now and you cannot escape the Lord ever. You can never escape the one ever. When that becomes your experience, you don't need to do any fasting, any going to pilgrimages 
or any of those things. You can go and witness them. No, I'm not saying go. do not go to a mandir, do not go to a, a gudwara. Go. If you want to fast, fast. Absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But to think that it will take you to God, then, then don't do it. If you think it will take you to Brahman, don't do it. Simple. Then he says, Praise Namdev, I have become a man of good deeds and good thoughts. Chanting the Lord's name under Guru's instructions, who has not gone to heaven or Svarg? So, praise Namdev. So he does a prayer. He says, I've become a man of good deeds and good thoughts. Why? Why does he say as a prayer? Because he understands it's this one that is doing the good deeds. It's this one that has the good thoughts. Then he says, chanting the Lord's name under Guru's instructions, who has not gone to heaven. At least I'm going to get heaven. My Guru's told me to just be aware of this one. That's what I'm going to do. My Guru has told me to be mindfully aware of this one. That's all I'm going to do. Chanting the Lord's name. That's the Guru's instructions. I'm not going to go astray from that. And if I do that, forget about thinking of heaven. I'm in heaven at that moment. I'm always going to be in heaven at that moment. And that is the teaching of Namdev. So if we conclude here of the whole three poems that we've looked at, Namdev Ji has made it simple. There is only the one and nothing but the one. And once you're able to understand this one, through the Guru's instructions, which is ultimately the third one, you need to find the Guru. And then with the Guru, fully immerse yourself in the teaching. And then be a good human being, be nice to others, be kind. And you don't need to do any other spiritual activity, religious activity, other than chanting the Lord's name. And that is where we will conclude today. And uh, it was a beautiful episode where we learned a lot from Namdev Ji. And I'd like to thank you all for listening. If you liked what you heard and liked what you watched, please do share this podcast with your friends and family who may enjoy this content. Do follow me on social media to keep getting updates. Join the Bearded Mystic Podcast WhatsApp community group to continue the podcast discussion. Details are in the show notes and video description below. If you would like to support the Bearded Mystic Podcast as we discussed earlier, do check out the podcast Patreon page. Your support means everything and it helps this podcast keep running. Details are in the show notes and video description below. Please do rate this podcast five stars and do give a review either on your favorite podcast streaming app or on our website. Details are in the show notes and video description below. Please do like and comment on this video and subscribe to this YouTube channel. Do follow or subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast streaming app. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. Let's end with the Shanti Mantra and the Soham Mantra. Soham, Soham, I am that, I am that. Om Shanti, 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 Om Peace, 
Peace, peace. Namaste.